Let's take our Bibles this morning and turn to Genesis chapter number 19. Genesis chapter number 19. Share a few thoughts. Finishing up here with Lot's life. Not that I've been preaching on Lot the past few weeks, but I'll really summarize a lot of his life this morning. We have touched on some things with the family. And uh, if I can just take care of a couple housekeeping things, if you're streaming with us downstairs, um, if we can, let's stay focused on the, the message, not be walking around. Let's make sure the kids aren't running around, and uh, let's keep them in church. And then I think I'm going to get one of these signs to be able to put up here to please silence our cell phones and be able to put them away. And I know some use it for their Bible, but uh, some have talked to me about a lot of texting that takes place during church. And you say, oh, no, I wouldn't do that. Some have even read me what you've been texting. And uh, so that was interesting. And so, and the thing was, they were texting like someone sitting like two rows in front of them. And I thought, during church, get together afterwards and talk. And uh, I thought God's word took more priority than that. But uh, so let's pay attention to the word of God if we can. Amen. This is going to make the difference in our hearts and lives. Genesis chapter number 19. If you're able to and found it, let's stand together for the reading of the word of God. Genesis chapter 19 will begin in verse number 30. The Bible says, And Lot went up out of Zoar, and dwelt in the mountain, and his two daughters with him. For he feared to dwell in Zoar, and he dwelt in a cave, he and his two daughters. And the firstborn said unto the younger, Our father is old, and there is not a man in the earth to come in unto us after the manner of all the earth. Come, let us make our father drink wine, and we will lie with him that we may preserve seed of our father. And they made their father drink wine that night, and the firstborn went in and lay with her father, and she perceived not, and he perceived not that she, when she lay down, nor when she arose. And it came to pass on the morrow that the firstborn said unto the younger, Behold, I lay yesternight with my father. Let us make him drink wine this night also, and go thou in, and lie with him, that we may preserve seed of our father. They made their father drink wine that night also, and the younger arose, and lay with him, and he perceived not when she lay down, nor when she arose. Thus were both daughters of Lot with child by their father, and the firstborn bare a son, and called his name Moab, the same as the father of the Moabites unto this day. And the younger, she also bare a son, and called his name Benami, the same as the father of the children of Ammon, unto this day. You say, Pastor, what in the world are you reading that passage of Scripture for us this morning? Isn't that a wonderful Sunday morning message to be able to preach? There's a lot of steps that got this family to this point. And you say, well, as wicked as that is, and I agree 100%, as wicked as that is. I'm going to preach on the subject matter this morning, share a few things out of Lot's life on the subject matter on dangerous influences in the home. Dangerous influences in the home. Let's pray and then you can be seated. Father, we love you. Thank you for the word of God. Lord, you give us insight into wickedness that took place 
with Lot and his two daughters. But Lord, long before this took place, Lord, the steps of wickedness that led them here. And Lord, I pray that you'd help us. Lord, would you even challenge us and convict our hearts, our homes, of what we allow to influence inside of our homes, decisions that are made. And Lord, I pray that you would do a work in our hearts and lives. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. I would reiterate and be the first one to say I do not agree with what has taken place here. I don't agree with their reasoning. What has just taken place so that you can understand if you don't know the entire account of Lot, to be able to set the context of Scripture, he has just fled from the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah because God has sent a couple angels in to tell him that he will destroy the city and he has fled from that city. It was him and his wife and two daughters that originally flee the city, but yet as they get outside the city, the command given by God is you should not turn back whatsoever. They get outside that city and Lot's wife turns around to be able to look and that was in disobedience to the Lord. And the Bible says that she turned instantly into a pillar of salt. The judgment of the Lord upon her life for disobedience. So Lot has already lost everything in the city. Lot has already lost family that was in that city. We'll read some of that here in just a moment. Lot has just lost his wife as they were coming out of the city. And now his daughters get him drunk and they conceive from their father. And may I say the results of that, these two sons that are born, Moab and Benami, they actually, these two groups of people, the Ammonites and the Moabites, are a thorn in the side of Israel and the children of Israel for years to come. And it all traces back to this wickedness that takes place. But as I've said, long before this cave took place, what took place in their lives led up to this night, these two nights. Dangerous influences in the home. You say, well, pastor, I don't even know why that would be read on a Sunday morning when all the people are here at the church and aren't you trying to make a good impression with everybody that's around because we want everybody to come back to church. I will say this, it's because God didn't get it off my heart for one thing. And I believe firmly that this is the message for the hour that needs to be preached because I believe this, that if it's not taking place and some of these things are not the wickedness that's in your home, if you don't take care of some things now, there will be wickedness that will be prevalent in your home on the years down the road. 
if you were to talk to Lot, and can you imagine after the realization of this comes to light? Can you imagine and we're not told how he reacts to all of this? But I can guarantee the consequences of sin in his home weigh heavy upon him till he draws his last breath and goes out into eternity. And I want to come back and be able to look at a few things specifically in Lot's life. Some of these are influences that are actively there, but some are influences that are passively there. You say, well, I don't allow such and such into my home, but passively you may be allowing other things and influences by the elimination of some things. And that's where we start off with, I want to come back and look at four simple things that I see in Lot's life that with either one of these we could preach an entire message or series of messages in this. Let's turn back to where I believe things started going bad, back in Genesis chapter number 13. Genesis chapter number 13, it's in this passage of Scripture that we see that Lot is traveling and he's spending the time and he's closely connected with the patriarch of the Jewish nation with a man named Abraham. And Lot is actually Abraham's nephew as we see that he's traveling with him and he has close ties to him. Imagine the influence that Abraham could be upon Lot. How many here have ever had someone older in your life that was just a good and a godly influence? We can all think back to those people in our lives. And that's who Abraham was to Lot. But we pick up in chapter number 13 here where the Bible says in verse number 6 that the land was not able to bear them that they might dwell together for their substance was great so that they could not dwell together. Verse 7, and there was a strife between the herdmen of Abram's cattle and the herdmen of Lot's cattle and the Canaanite and the Perizzite dwelled then in the land. And so Abraham proposes we ought not to have strife between our herdmen. The fighting was never between Abram and Lot. There was no strife there according to the scriptures. But I want you to see, first of all, with these dangerous influences, and this would be a passive influence or a lack of influence in Lot's life, is that he departed from the presence of godly influences. And so Abram says, why don't you choose out and look and lift up your eyes. And the Bible says that Lot looked up, viewed the plains of Sodom and Gomorrah and saw that they were well watered. And verse 11 says this of Genesis 13, then Lot chose him all the plain of Jordan and Lot journeyed east and they separated themselves, the one from the other. And Abram dwelled in the land of Canaan and Lot dwelled in the cities of the plain and pitched his tent toward Sodom, but the men of Sodom were wicked and sinners before the Lord exceedingly. You have these plains of Jordan and Lot says this. Now listen, I believe at this point, the intent of his heart is to provide and take care of his family 
But understanding the cost of that decision is he was separating from Abram, who was his elder, who gave him the advice and not just good advice on how to live, but godly advice on how to be able to train up his family. And at this point, when they separated themselves, we never see again where Lot was around Abram to be able to be influenced or gather advice. And we'll see the progression that takes place in Lot's life as a result of this right here when he separated himself from godly influences in his life. You say, Pastor, what are you trying to say? Listen, you may not be Lot. You may not be Lot's daughters. That may not be the situation that's in your home. And I say, praise the Lord for it. But can I say, you need to make the decision not to separate from godly influences in your life. Every one of us could give testimony. And listen, not always the best testimony of what it was when we walked away from godly influences. When we said, I don't need their advice. I don't need to stay close to them. You ever tried to give advice to someone who doesn't want it? There's been times, I'll be honest with you, there's been times I've walked out of a, a pulpit. I won't say whether it's here or somewhere else. Yes, I will. It's been here and somewhere else. Walk out of that pulpit, you get done pouring your heart out, trying to give to them something from the Word of God to be able to help them. And I've walked back, I've looked at my wife, I'm talking not five minutes after done preaching. Walk back and say that went over like a lead balloon. And I'm thinking, listen, if there would just be some times, you know this as well as I do, we don't want to just walk up to someone and say, I told you so. But over and over and over in lives, people would be able to look back and say, if I had followed the godly and good advice that was given to me, I wouldn't be here today. It has cost me way too much if I would have just followed advice. Now, sometimes that advice isn't even given. Sometimes that influence isn't even there. And it's not the responsibility of the influencer to be able to go to him and say, now listen, you ought not to be doing that. We can tell him so many times. But at some point, you know what we got to do? Okay, go do what you got to do. How many, how many ever had this? And sometimes we do it spiritually like this. But how many ever had your parents look at you after you did something that you weren't supposed to do? I'm talking about touching a hot stove. You know what I'm saying? Trying to jump over that, that mud puddle that's there. There's something along those lines that we go ahead, we go ahead and do that anyway. And here's what we get told. Bet you won't do that again. How many ever got told that and you're like, bet you won't do that again? You know what it was? I mean, we go through life. They're trying to influence us. They're trying to help us. And we as families, boy, we need to be so careful. As soon as you start cutting godly influences out of your life, you're heading the wrong direction. And God has put them in your life for a reason. God has put a church family in your life for a reason. God has even put a pastor in your life for a reason. And it might just be to be a thorn in your flesh. To say, hey, you ought not to be doing that. 
ought not to be heading that direction. I don't like the message that he gives to me. Someone asked a preacher one time, said, why are you always butting heads with everybody? He said, because the world's going the wrong direction. He said, if they'd get right and go the other direction, he said, we wouldn't be butting heads. God puts people in our lives to be able to say, hey, you ought not to be heading that direction. Follow some godly influence. There's some families, listen, you know some things are going on, but our stinking rotten pride gets too prevalent in our lives that we're not willing to go to someone and saying, hey, I've got this wrong. Would you help me? There was times, and we'll see it here in just a few moments, that, that things could have changed in Lot's life. But they didn't. He went right back to it. And I thought, how many times, listen, if we would have just stayed around those godly influencers instead of these dangerous influencers, but we get out of church, we don't need church services, and, and some are so spiritual, they only need one message a week. They only have to eat one time spiritually all week long. And I don't need anything else of that. I'm doing my religious duty. And I don't need a church. I don't need preaching. I don't need church fellowship. Yes, we do. Our families need this. My family needs this. My marriage needs this. We need to be here. Godly influences. It may not just be your pastor. It may be spiritual leaders that God, have put, God has put in your life to be able to help you through these times. We better be careful when we cut these out because, listen, something or someone is going to influence us. And it's either going to be a safe and a godly influence or it's going to be an ungodly and a dangerous influence. Someone's going to be influencing your young people. Someone's going to be influencing your family. And if we're not careful, these dangerous influences, we get away from godly influences in our lives. Then all of a sudden, it's not the preacher, it's not other Christians, it's not singing the, the old hymns, it's not the, the church family that's influencing young people. Boy, I heard a great definition yesterday speaking about discipleship and being ab actually able to be a mentor to other young Christians. And they said in, in every area, now think about this, we talk about discipleship. I need to take someone under my wing and ladies will do this with younger ladies. What about teaching them in every area? I'm talking about they can come to church and they can see you sitting in church Sunday morning, Sunday afternoon, prayer meeting time. Well, no, I'm, I'm discipling someone. Well, in some cases, you're teaching them to stay out of church. And they show up and they know they're supposed to be here. They're supposed to gather when the church family is gathering and they come up and they're looking up to certain people. Where are they? Why, why, oh, they don't, they don't come and pray with the church? Well, then I don't need to come. They're my example. They're my mentor. And I thought, listen, I, dressing up for church, sitting still in church, not texting in church, not passing notes in church, being able to pay attention, stand up and sing, be the example that others would be able to look and be able to say, that's a family I'd like my family to be able to be like in church. And we're discipling them and mentoring them. And we're not being a dangerous influence in the home. Don't depart from the presence of godly influencers. He was influenced instead by what looks good and what looks right. You say, well, this looks okay. No, stay around your godly influencers. Everything may look great. I've always remembered, my dad always said, because this is human nature, he said, everybody always thinks the grass looks greener on the other side. 
He said, till you get over there, and here's what he said, you find out it's AstroTurf. That's what he always said. Then it always remind me, and he put it a little bit plainer for country folks to be able to understand, and he said the grass is always greener on top of a septic tank. Now, how many of us country folks around here, we understand exactly what that means? Godly influences in our lives. Let me share something else with you in chapter number 14. <clears throat> I'm not going to read this entire passage of Scripture as we read down through here, but let me say this. We're left in verse number 13 of chapter 13 where I said, The men of Sodom were wicked and sinners before the Lord exceedingly. And what takes place in chapter number 14 and verse number 12, there's a group of kings that get together and they come and they actually conquer the city of Sodom where Lot is living. Look at verse number 12. And they took Lot, Abram's brother's son, who dwelt in Sodom and his goods and departed. And there came one that had escaped and told Abram the Hebrew, for he dwelt in the plain of Mamre, the Amorite, brother of Eshcol, and brother of Abner, Adner. And these were confederate with Abram. And when Abram heard that his brother was taken captive, he armed, trained servants, born in his own house, 318, and pursued them unto Dan. And he divided himself against them, he and his servants by night, and smote them and pursued them unto Hobah, which is on the left hand of Damascus. And he brought back all the goods and also brought again his brother Lot and his goods and the women also and the people. You know what Abr Abram did with 318 men? Went back and rescued every bit of them. Now here's the sad part of this story. Do you understand where Lot was living at the time? He was living in Sodom. He had made the decision instead of just separating from Abram and pitched his tent toward Sodom to now he is living down in Sodom. And I thought on this, talking about dangerous influences, and this is the influence of the mind and the person's heart. And the influence he returned to sin. And I believe this, because it didn't cost him enough. Do you understand God delivered him out of Sodom? He had headed that direction. He had taken up residence. He now had his family living in Sodom where God said that they were wicked and they were sinners before God exceedingly. Listen, this is the example that's given throughout all the scripture of the wickedness of sin is Sodom and Gomorrah. And a king comes in and conquers Sodom, takes Lot, and listen, God's moving company came in there and took out Lot and his possessions and his family and got him out of the city. Abram goes and gets him, brings him back in. Guess where Lot goes? You know, I'd be thinking right about now, Abram, I believe that I'm going to stay with you. But look at chapter number 19 with me. This is the next time we see Lot after he's been rescued. He doesn't just go back to the city. He actually takes up leadership in the city. Chapter 19, verse number 1, And there came two angels to Sodom at evening. Look at this. And Lot sat in the gate of Sodom. That's where the leaders sat. That's where the professional people were. And I'm thinking, listen, 
dangerous influence in our lives, when we've been delivered from something in our homes, why return back to it? Boy, it's amazing how many times, how many times you see people go through the exact same thing over and over and over again. You know why? Because of the decisions that they make over and over and over again. And God provides and God delivers them from that. And what do we do as humans? Turn right back around, go right back down into it. Where does a pig go to if you take him out and get him all cleaned up and wash him off, put a bow around his neck and be able to clean him up? Where does a pig go to if you let him go? Right back into the mud. And I thought, boy, God knows our nature too, doesn't he? Now listen, there's some, we, they, they get delivered from it and you, you would think, hey, maybe this time they've learned their lesson. Oh, God, I've seen what's happened with my family when I get them out of church and they're not under godly influences. Boy, God, I'm going to get my family back in church. We're going to be there. They need to be around the church house. And then everything just kind of settles out in the home. Boy, there's a peace. Not because everybody's gotten everything right, but because there's actually some godly influence that's coming back in. And we start saying, boy, everything's right. What starts happening? All right, everything's going well. I don't have to be around God's people as much anymore. People that are coming out, we've seen this, you've seen this. They, they start getting into recovery a little bit and God's delivering them some things and they've gone three or four months and now they're sober, everything's clean. They don't need accountability anymore in their life. Turn right back around and go into it, don't we? What did Lot do? God delivers him out of all this, living in the midst of wickedness. And listen, God will deliver your family too. If there's sin that's there, if there's heartache, if there's influences that are there that had such a hold on Lot that even when God delivered him, Lot returned right back to the sin because it didn't cost him enough. Can I say by the time we get to the end of the chapter that we just read, we don't see Lot going back into it. Number one, because Sodom and Gomorrah were destroyed. But can you imagine the heart condition of Lot for the remainder of his life? Because he took him back down into, Lot, into Sodom. And how many times God delivers us, God gets us out of some things, and God starts mending our family, and hey, I need to get my family in church, we need to be together. Men, we say, hey, I need accountability, I need to be in Bible study, I need to be around Christian men, our young people, hey, I need to do what's right. Then all of a sudden we get everybody pleased with us, and we say, okay, I can back off now. No. No. Dangerous influences in our lives. Listen, the devil will make sure has such a hold on us, we'll get right back into it. God delivered him out of it. I wonder how many times Abram looked at him and said, don't go back down there. Now listen, we'll take care of the herdman problem. They won't be arguing, but Lot, don't go back down into Sodom. Don't go back down there. Look what it's cost you. It almost cost you your life. Oh no, that won't happen again. Oh, no, I'm smarter this time going into it, so those consequences aren't going to be as bad. No, he got deeper in than he ever was before, and it cost him more than he ever dreamed. You say, Pastor, could it get any worse than what's taking place right here? Yes, I believe it can. 
Look at chapter number 19. We'll read a little bit further. You say dangerous influences. Listen, the things we allow in our life, it actually gets us to the point of negotiating and tolerating lesser sins. You say, what do you mean? Hey, I wonder right now if you were to name any sin that's, that's evident in your life or in your family's life, that you would say, hey, at least my kids are doing that and not this. You say, oh, that, that, that's not so bad. I, I'd rather have them doing this than I would. Hey, I've heard parents say this before. Well, I'd, ha- I'd rather have them drinking in my house than be out there somewhere drinking. I'm thinking, can I use the word stupid right here? I'm thinking, how hard of a head do you have right there? Well, it's in a controlled environment. Hey, listen, if that's what they're doing in front of you, think of what they're doing behind you. And we get to the point, listen, the dangerous influences in our lives, we'll actually start negotiating with sin. We started reading in chapter number 19, these two angels come down into the city. Can I say the wickedness was so in your face in Sodom that they came knocking on the doors. The men of Sodom came knocking on the doors saying, we know you got two men in there, put them out here. They were begging and asking for the men so that they could do what they desired to do with those two men that came into the city. Now listen, you say, what would I do if someone came? Here's where Lot had gotten to. Look what he said in verse number 6. And Lot went out at the door unto them and shut the door after him and said, I pray you, brethren. Why is he calling them brethren? Do not so wickedly. And here's what he offers and tries to negotiate. Behold now, I have two daughters which have not known man. Let me, I pray you, bring them out unto you and do ye to them as it is good in your eyes. Only unto these men do nothing for therefore came they under the shadow of my roof. You say, pastor, that's despicable. Listen, on that level, we say, listen, that's absolute wickedness. But how many, it may not be on that level, but we start negotiating with sin. Oh, I'd never do this over here. I'm just happy they're only involved in this. When did we get to the point of tolerating wickedness and sin in our lives? And if you were to ask Lot a few years earlier and be able to say, hey, Lot, you head down into Sodom, you're going to be looking to offer your daughters up to do whatever they want to do to them. You say, oh, no, I'd never get to there. I don't believe Lot thought he would get to there either. You say, Pastor, are you saying this is the end result of it? I pray it's not. Listen, I'm not saying this is where your family's ending up. But I will say this, the same characteristics will be in our lives as what was in Lot's life, whether it's the same results or not. We've gotten to a point that we're saying, hey, let me negotiate, and this sin is a little bit less than what this sin is. And well, I'd just rather have my kids doing it. You know, kids are just going to be kids. You know, boys are just going to be boys. You know, that's just what women do today. They just talk like that. You know that's just what men do. We've gotten to the point that it's tolerated for men to have the privacy on their phone and be able to watch whatever they want to watch. Well, every man does it. No. 
Not every man does do that because it's wickedness and sin before the Lord. Well, at least they still come home to me. Since when are we negotiating with sin, saying, hey, this sin's a whole lot better. I'd rather have them doing this than I would that. No. Can you imagine Lot saying, hey, take my two daughters, do whatever you want with them. But leave these two men in my house. And can I say on levels inside of our families, listen, we don't start negotiating with sin, but the influences that we're going to look at and those that are around us, listen, that we allow inside of our homes, it'll get to the point where we're saying, oh, that's just, that's not as bad. That's not as bad. Can I encourage us? Homes don't have to be miserable. They don't have to be filled with sin. You don't have to tolerate sin. It's okay to be able to have a godly Christian home that is praying together, that is serving together, that is loving one another, and that is loving God. It's okay to be able to have that today. And do you understand, before we even get to the end result of what we read there's one more step that takes place. Look at back at chapter number 19. Look how far he has come. And we get to the point, listen, dangerous influences in our homes. It'll get to the point that we, we are actually mocked for speaking righteousness. Mocked for it. You say, what? Look what he said, his own family. Bible says in chapter 19 and verse number 14, because he's being pulled at it. Start back at 12. And the men said unto Lot, Hast thou here any besides son-in-law and thy sons and thy daughters and whatsoever thou hast in the city, bring them out of this place, for we will destroy this place because the cry of them is waxing great before the face of the Lord and the Lord hath sent us to destroy it. And Lot went out and spake unto his sons-in-law which married his daughters and said, Up, get you out of this place for the Lord will destroy this city. Look at this phrase, one of the saddest phrases about a family in the Bible. But he seemed as one that mocked unto his sons-in-law. And I thought, here a man, listen, he gets it at this point. He gets the amount of sin that is a reality. He gets that the judgment is coming the reality of what's taking place to his city and what's going to happen to his family, he gets it. And he goes out there and talks to his son and sons-in-law who's supposed to have a spiritual authority in their home. And the Bible says they laughed at him like he was one that was mocking. You ever seen that? Don't put your hands up. You let your family go the direction they want to go and live the way they want to go and the way that they want to live, and then God corrects your heart, and you finally get it, and you sit down with the family and say, hey, this has been wrong. This is the direction we need to go. This is what we need to do. And they almost sit there and laugh at you like, where'd this come from? Can I say this? It cost them their life. But that's where the testimony of Lot had come to. That when he finally stepped up, to be able to be the spiritual leader in his home and be able to say the judgment of God is coming. We've allowed these things. We've been influenced by these things and it's going this direction. We need to get out of here. We need to go a different direction. They looked at him and laughed at him as one that mocks. I thought, you know, 
I don't want that to come that my family would look at me and say, you're, try you're trying to tell us what God said now? You've allowed this for all these years. We've gone this direction. A wife is saying, where's this coming from? I'm not going to live in this type of environment. Kids are saying, Dad, what are you talking about? What do you mean we need to start going to church more? What do you mean? Hey, he tried pulling them out of there. Grabbed his wife, grabbed his daughters, got out of town. Someone said one time, why did, why did Lot's wife turn around? Some little kid in a Sunday school class said because her kids were back there. Now you think about that. Sons and daughters and daughters-in-law were back in Sodom and Gomorrah. And the last thing that Lot's wife saw was the destruction of her family. And I thought, Lord, we better be so careful with the dangerous influences that we allow in our lives. We better be so careful. Some of them are active. Some of them are passive. Some of them are influences just by omission. I read a statement. This was several years ago. And it was in relation to us parents that said if we treat church as optional, then the next generation is going to treat church as non-essential. I don't need to go. Whereas we might say, I can go whenever I can or whenever I want to. It's not that important. Next one's going to say, I don't even need it. I don't even need it. Dad and Mom came out fine, and they didn't go all the time. We better be careful about the influences we allow. I wonder what it is right now that you would say is your number one influencer. You know what has taken over babysitting in our homes? A screen. You know what has taken over truth in our homes instead of the Word of God? Social media. You know what has been our influences over and over and over is everything that the world has to say instead of coming back to biblical principles. Can I say there is hope for your marriage? There is hope for your family. But you're going to have to be careful on who you have influence in them. There are, and Brother Peter said this on Thursday night, I, I, live stream, I, I didn't live stream it, I watched it afterwards and listened to it. I couldn't watch it, I was driving. There, there were things that we weren't allowed to be influenced by. But they didn't just say no, they, they taught us why those are wrong. Why we don't need to be influenced by that. Can I say, when I was growing up, I didn't have pictures of young ladies in my room. My sisters didn't have pictures of boy bands hanging on their walls, lusting after them. Didn't happen. You know who my parents allowed to be able to influence us? I do remember hearing preaching. I, I do remember godly music. I do remember things like the Patch the Pirate Club. I do remember being in church every week. And guess what? It didn't hurt me. My, my dad even had me dress up for every church service. But he, but he taught me to have the right heart in relation to all of it. And that we're going to church and give us... It didn't hurt me. 
You say, well, I'm just being influenced by so-and-so over here. You better be careful who you're being influenced by. Someone once said, show me your friends and your influencers today, and I'll show you who you'll be in five years. How many times have we ever said that to teenagers? You say it at camp all the time, don't you? Isn't it amazing? You get, to, you get to camp, you get young people around each other, and the one person you don't want them going to hang out with, they just migrate to them. And you're thinking, I'm going to walk right over there and I'm going to sit right down between them. They're yapping during church. They're showing their phones. They're doing all of this. How many times an adults got up, walked over there? They try to do it as, as quietly as possible. They just get up and say, I'm just going to scoot right here, scoot over, and then the whole row has to part for that adult to be able to sit down there. You know what they're saying? Hey, watch out who you're influenced by. I believe if we go back and talk with Lot, and one of these days you can. The Bible calls him just Lot. So it could happen to anyone not being found faithful to the Lord. Vexed his righteous soul. And he got rid of some influences. He allowed some dangerous influences. And in chapter number 19 we read what his daughters felt would be moral to be able to accomplish. And the results of that for decades and hundreds of years to come was an enemy of God's people. Now you say, well, what's going to make the difference? The same thing I've closed with for the last three weeks is Jesus as the center of your life. That's going to make the difference. You say, Pastor, I don't want those influences in my life. Then get good ones then get good ones. You know something, when I was growing up, yes, I knew who Larry Bird was and Magic Johnson. I, I knew who they were. But you know something, they weren't a God in my life. But I could sure tell you who the other pastors were. I could sure tell you about that evangelist son that came through and in school that year we were having to memorize because you memorize scripture in school. We, had, we were memorizing Psalm 119, 16 verses a month is what we had to memorize. And it was towards the end of the year, and my dad had said, listen, if anybody does the extra verses, gets to the end of it, we'll go out to Pizza Hut. This, this evangelist kid had come in for the week. He was 17, 18 at that time, maybe 19. And dad joked with him and said, hey, if you can get up and say Psalm 119, you can go to lunch with us today. That man got up behind the pulpit, started quoting every verse, starting with verse number one. And he looked over at my dad. He said, is that enough? He said, of what? He said, that's Psalm 119. He said, I made it a personal challenge. He said, in commitment to be able to memorize that chapter of Scripture. Dad took him to lunch that day. Hey, now listen, I may not be able to tell you about a whole lot of other things, but that made an impact in my life. And that influenced my life. Because Jesus was the center. Who's your number one influencer? What influences are in your home right now? Do we even know what the kids are watching on YouTube, TikTok, Instagram? What reel there is their favorite? You say, I don't even know what a reel is. You better start looking. Which one's their favorite? Who are they liking the most? Who are they following after? Do we even know who's influencing the next generation? Boy, we better start paying attention because if they're being influenced there, guess what? It's taken away from God's influence. And I'm not saying everything that's on there is wicked and bad. It's a great medium. We're using it right now on Facebook. Using it right now on YouTube. 
great mediums to be able to use, to be able to get the gospel out. But boy, they can be influencers. I'd keep up with it. I'd be checking, and I'd make sure Jesus is number one. Maybe Jesus isn't number one in your family. Maybe he's not number one in your home and in your marriage or in your life. Maybe that needs to change today and say from here on out, maybe there's some husbands need to look at their wives and some dads need to look at their families and their children and be able to say, listen, we're not getting to this point. It may seem strange to you right now, but we're going to live for God. And our home is going to be a Christian home. Our home is going to be godly. We're going to go after the things of God. And I don't want things in our home that's going to influence you the wrong way. You say, am I able to do that? Listen, we're not just able to do that. It's actually our job as a dad, as a husband, as a mom to be able to guide them, direct them, teach them, and train them. Here's what the Bible says. But Jesus has to be the center of our life first. And maybe if you're here today and you've never trusted Christ as your Savior, the influences you have are not heading the right direction and we need to get refocused on Christ.